Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield, mad skills, lottie dotty. Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. My name is James Clark, and I am sick, so I will apologize right off the hand, right off hand. Uh, Patrick is also under the weather, so I decided that we'll start the show off with a little bit of a different flair. What's up, Patrick? You know, I figured, why try to go into that typical spiel that I always go into, because it's just not going to sound the same, right? Yeah, I I mean, I am the aforementioned Patrick, and I am also sick. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, me and James have been having a rough week. Um, Luckily, everyone else in the Golden Age of Padres podcast bailed us out and had some shows for us all to listen to. But yeah. we're back. We're here. We have our voices back. I know I've been rasping the last few days. I know James has been as well. So we'll do our best today. Yep. Episode 93 is being recorded. There is definitely a lot to discuss. Uh, the Padres are 7-13, and 13, coming off a embarrassing showing against the Dodgers. Uh, it's sad because they played so well against the Giants to, to kind of lay an egg against the Dodgers once again. Uh, a team that we used to really own. Well, I mean, this... I'm. I'm old, so I'm talking about probably 90s and, and early 2000s when they used to just beat up on the Dodgers no matter how well the Dodgers team played. But in recent memories, it's just a nightmare playing the Dodgers. The Beat L.A. chant is just embarrassing hearing the the, the Padre fans that are outnumbered at Petco Park trying to rally the troops. It's just uh, there will be better times, though, right, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's kind of weird how the Potters have actually been fairly competitive for the most part this year. I mean, they haven't really been, no, blo- yeah, I mean, they haven't really been blown yeah. out in too many games, and obviously they've played one of the toughest schedules in baseball. I mean, they've played the Rockies yes. a lot. They've played the Brewers, obviously, the Dodgers. they played the, the World Champions, and they I mean, they hung with the Astros pretty well. That was kind of surprising. So I, it's not like they've been futile. I mean, it's not like they're a terrible team. I mean, they're not a good team, but it's not like they've been awful. So, I mean, I, mean, no, I was kind of surprised I mean, that they were thrashed so bad the last three games, but, I mean... They seem to always play down to the Dodgers, at least in recent yeah. years. Yeah, like we looked at the, the last, the last like what two years of opening day series when they got destroyed at Ugh. home. I mean, it's just yeah. it just seems like it's a, a recurring theme the last few years. Yeah, I think it's going to make the competitive Padre years and, and the years where we're actually a decent team so much more sweeter because it's coming. It is coming. Um, but you're right. You know, they're seven and thirteen right now. If the shoe was on the other foot and, say, a miracle happened and we swept the Dodgers, we'd be a 500 team going into the series against the Giants this weekend in San Francisco. So, you know, that that obviously didn't happen and would have been a miracle, like I said. But the team has played decent in the last week or so. Uh, We've seen – and, you know, let's talk about the fact that Will Myers and Manuel Margot are not playing for the team as well. And those are two – key components to the outfield and two key key components to the whole lineup. So is it really a surprise that they laid an egg against the Dodgers and and were annihilated? Uh, You know, 
that second game they probably could have won or, or they should have won, and, and that's going to go down in, in the book like the two games against Milwaukee to open up the series, the season as games they could have, should have won. And, and sadly the game of baseball is about is, is like that. There is there. They, the old adage is there's, what is it? 60 games. You're going to lose 60 games. You're going to win. And it's what you do with the games in between that, that decide on whether or not you're a competitive team. And right now in, in those close games, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we're just not playing well. The, the bullpen statistically has been well, but it's just you know these these losses are are hard, but again, this was not going to be a competitive team, and we need to keep that mantra going and that chant going in our heads, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's just the common theme has been the offense just hasn't been there, and um, I mean, I think we've all kind of seen that at this point that it's just yeah. it's pretty much based on the offense just not doing enough. I mean, that's why there's been so many close games. The pitching staff has been consistent. Um, the bullpen has been fantastic. Um, and the offense just hasn't really done enough to, to really uh, push them over the hump, so to speak. So, yeah, they're playing no. close games. I mean, it's like I said, they're they're competitive, It's but it's just they're not really winning games because the offense just isn't doing enough overall to, to win games. No, no, they, they just really aren't. And Margot and Myers coming back should help that. Uh, before we get into both of them coming back, let's talk about big news today and that Luis Perdomo was demoted to AAA. Yeah. Uh, you know, not really surprised. He was really looking bad last night against the Dodgers, and his demeanor in the mound in, in the dugout seemed a little off as well. Uh, Andy Green quickly alluded after the game that he and his staff would have an evaluation of Perdomo, and, and it quite frankly didn't come very didn't didn't take very long for them to make this determination. Uh, give me your thoughts on him at AAA. I, I really thought they would let allow him to iron out his problems in the majors because he is an innings eater or, or should be an innings eater. And that is something that we're going to need. I, I know the fans want Eric Lauer coming up, but having two rookies in the rotation is going to be a problem come August and September. Yeah. Um, I can't say I was surprised that they sent him down. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it given everything that's happened, but I, I see why they did it. I mean, you kind of alluded to his demeanor was a little off. I mean, some some things I think clearly wrong. I mean, yeah. I think I think we expect. I don't want to say we expect too much from Perdomo, but I mean, with kind of how long he's been in the big leagues now. I mean, this is now his third season after you know surviving being a Rule Five draft pick. I mean, at, at this point, I think you expect more. Um, but at the same time, it's it's pretty obvious that he hasn't been the worst pitcher in the rotation, and he hasn't really been close to the worst pitcher in the rotation. So it just seems kind of funny to me that. He seems to be the one, um, I guess, taking the falling on the sword, so to speak. I mean, Brian Mitchell's been horrendous. Clayton Richards obviously been horrendous, honestly. Um, outside of Tyson Ross and Joey Lucchese, I mean, the rotation hasn't been great. But, I mean, Perdomo's numbers are really weird if you look at him. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to read off some numbers. I mean, he's got an 836 ERA, which obviously not great. But look at his FIP, which strips out kind of any bat balls in play so it's kind of just getting to the root of what a pitcher can control theoretically i mean it's not a perfect stat but um theoretically it controls for walks strikeouts um home runs so things a pitcher can actually theoretically control um he's got a 3.75 fip so there's a, a pretty massive gap between era and fip and i'd have to look but i think that's one of the bigger gaps in baseball um his babip which is batting average on balls in play is 510 
which mm-hmm. is obscenely high. Um, the league average usually sits around 300. Um, there's not another pa- there's not another Padres pitcher above 330 for what it's worth. So there's obviously some bad luck there, I think. But if you look at the flip side of that, he's giving up quite a lot of hard hit balls. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. let me pull up his hard hit rate, but he's giving up a quite a bit of hard hit balls, which kind of leans you in the other direction. That I think he he's not really performing well. He's leaving a lot of pitches over the zone. Uh, those pitches are getting hit hard, so that's kind of contributing, I think, to the to the poor performance a little bit. I mean, looking at his soft hit percentage, he's got only 12% soft hits, so that means 88% of the balls in play against him are either hit medium or hard, which not going to fly, really, for a pitcher, not going to really bode well for a guy. Um, so with that all being said, I think that arguably I think you can expect if he was going to stay in the rotation, you would expect some regression to the mean, so to speak. Um, and like I've said to people before, the last two years, he was pretty much a league average starter. I mean, he was pretty much a back-end starter, a guy that can eat innings. He's not going to be sensational. I, I don't think we should ever expect him to be anything more than a fifth starter, but I think he can definitely be that role. Um, I just hope this doesn't kill his confidence, the fact that they've set him down, and it seems like he's kind of, in a, in a way, taking the fall for, like I said, I think there's other guys in the rotation that are, if not just as bad, perhaps even worse. So for me, it's kind of interesting that he was thrown under the bus. I mean, obviously last night was a terrible start, but yeah. with, that, with that being said, I think that it's it's just kind of an interesting dynamic in terms of how he's being treated compared to some of the other ones. And I, I yeah. you know, some people are saying, like, Andy Green is racist or Andy Green has it out for Perdomo. <laughs> That's stupid. I won't go that far. But I do think it's interesting how he's kind of segmenting his treatment of certain it, players. If if you're hearing that from somebody, you should just ignore that right away. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was uh, like, that's an interesting thought process. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) You know, I I wrote a piece today about Luis Perdomo and the fact that I'd like to see him use the ball up in the zone a little more, whether whether that be using his uh, two-seamer or four-seamer, because he does have a four-seamer. He did have a four-seamer at one time that he's kind of scrapped. But uh, I've reached out to, you know, I've reached out to a couple of Padres personnel, uh, I'm trying to get myself in the locker room somehow and talk to somebody who's in the know. Uh, I've actually had AJ Casavell do some running for me, and he was gracious enough to ask the Padres uh, on his on his only successful start this year against the Astros. I noticed that he was pitching the ball, he was throwing the ball up a little more than normal. Uh, in particular, I saw in, a, in that bat where he threw a first pitch fastball to uh, Jose Altuve, which was up in the zone, and he took it for a strike, and Altuve looked back at the catcher, kind of nodded and smiled like he was surprised. Um, AJ Casavell kind of nosed around and found out that the scouting report for Perdomo that day was to attack the Astros up in the zone. Uh, they're a low-ball hitting team, especially from the left-handed side, but a lot of the right-handers also like the ball down, and you know they hunt the ball down. Uh, he used his two-seamer a lot that game, uh, instead of the four-seamer, he still walked three in the game, and it took 97 pitches for him to get through five innings. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that it's hard to control that two-seamer up in the zone. It kind of runs and it tails, and the idea behind him using a four-seamer and developing a four-seamer is that it's straight. He can effectively back batters off the plate and get that inside corner on, on a high strike, which I think will change batters' uh, hitters' eye level and, and kind of be a benefit for him. Uh, I don't know if that's in the works. Like I said, I'd love to be able to pick the minds of Darren Balsley, Doug Bockler, Andy Green, and, and such to see if that's necessarily what they want him to do in AAA. But I would be interested to see what's going on. Uh, I think it's sad that he's going to go to the PCL because that's a hitter's league. I, I think that people should not necessarily 
look at the numbers that he puts up in the ERA and stuff and look at more the way he's pitching and how he's attacking hitters as to whether or not he's developing more. We'll yeah, I see. mean, I think he's going to spend most of the time in El Paso tinkering more than anything, like you said, yeah. maybe working on other yeah. pitches, maybe working on location, commanding, because his command is a little off. I mean, his fastball is pretty flat if you, if you look at it in terms of spin rate. Um, so he can't be leaving those over the plate, and that's, I think, most of the problem you see is when he leaves those fastballs over the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I saw that was interesting is last year his ground ball to fly ball ratio, so it's just total ground balls divided by fly balls, was just about three. Uh, mm-hmm. Him and Clayton Richard were two of the best in baseball over the whole year. Uh, this year yeah. it's about half of that, so meaning that he's giving up more fly balls, more line drives, less ground balls. So yeah. something yeah. is something is up there, I think. With in terms, I don't know. If, yeah. maybe it's I think he's, he's just become a location. I think he's or... just yeah. I think that the the teams are just he's become predictable. If you ask me, they know that they're going to get a hard sinker when they face him, and they attack it, and they've been successful. We'll just have to, we'll have to see. And, I mean, another thing I want to mention is I kind of said before about how his BABIP is ridiculously high, and that theoretically should regress to the mean. I mean, if you look at his WOBA, which is weighted on-base average, so it's basically like um, on-base and batting average kind of combined, and then it's obviously weighted for different hits having more value, so home runs more mm-hmm. worth more than a triple and, and so forth. Um, and then they also have ex- expected WOBA. That's for um, Baseball Savant um, StatCast. So that's basically using quality of contact. So... His WOBA, which is the actual result, is about 50 points higher than what you would expect based on contact. So in that regard, he's pretty pretty substantial difference there. I think he's he's probably the biggest difference on the team pretty pretty easily and probably one of the biggest in the league, but I'd have to double-check on that. But that's another thing you expect to regress. So he's not having great results, but I think under the surface you see that he's not nearly been as bad as these numbers would outline. So that's no. kind of where I'm at in terms of, I, I don't know if it was the right call to demote him. Um, but at the same time, you you can't demote Brian Mitchell. So yeah, that's not even a discussion to have with regard to that. Um, Perdomo is obviously younger, less development time. I think that's, I think that, uh, that's kind of why this happened. I think, I think they're, I think Mitchell has a longer leash because he's, had more had more development time, so to speak, which I guess that's kind of weird to say, but he doesn't have, obviously, options. They did pay $13 million to get him. That's yeah. obviously something. So I think he does have a longer leash for that sake, and Perdomo can go down. Perdomo can work on things. Perdomo did not have development, so it makes sense to give him some development time in the minors, but, I mean, I was still a little surprised that they pulled the trigger that fast, and after four starts, were re- willing to give up on him. I mean, he threw at Nolan Arenado. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I... I tip my cap to him for that because that that showed a lot in the in the clubhouse. Uh, I wrote a piece about that. A lot of the the players were were very pleased with his actions in that regard. That says a lot about this team and sticking up for each other, and that's good to see. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what Luis Perdomo's future is. I, I know at some point we will see him again in the rotation this year. That's pretty much guaranteed. Uh, again, don't pay too much num num pay attention. Don't pay attention too much to his numbers in AAA as far as ERA and whether or not he's getting shelled because there are some hitters ballparks in the PCL. So uh, we'll have to see. Uh, moving on, the Padres are close to activating Will Myers. He is uh, supposedly I don't know if he's DHing or playing the outfield today. And uh, I think I believe that Rancho Cucamonga, uh, the storm is, but he is scheduled to join the team in. San Francisco on Friday. There is going to have to be some moves, especially when you factor in that Manuel Margot is in Arizona getting extended at bats in spring training, in uh, extended spring. 
and he will be activated as well very soon. There's going to have to be two players that are going to have to be sent down. I think Tyler Webb is probably going to be one, although the Padres are going into Colorado coming up uh, after San Francisco. So it's going to be they're going to want to probably keep another pitcher. I don't know, Patrick. What are you thinking right now as far as who's going to be set down at this point when Margot and Myers are both activated from the DL? Well, I mean, that's the problem because they do have an extra relief pitcher, but that person has to go if they need a starter, which they're going to need a starter, which I think we can get to next. But mm-hmm. at that well, point, I don't. Are they going to spot start Erlen again, or are they going to stick him in the rotation? Oh, I think they definitely. Perdue? I think they definitely at least spot start Erlen on Tuesday mm-hmm. in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, I mean, it's anyone's guess. Um, but as for the outfield, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think it comes down to probably Carlos Asuaje or. Matt Caesar, but with that regard, Matt Caesar does not have options, so he is a guy yes. who would have to clear waivers. I know. Shout out to Leisure Fryer who <laughs> asked me about kind of any guys that don't have those roster op- those options. So I think the main two I can think of. I mean, we already mentioned mentioned Brian Mitchell as as one, so he's a guy that can't mm-hmm. be optioned uh, mm-hmm. without clearing waivers. Also, the other two would probably be Matt Caesar and then Christian Villanueva. So. That yeah. kind of eliminates, I mean, Christian Villanueva obviously not going to be option at this point. But I think Matt Caesar's probably the obvious candidate because if you do have both Myers and Renfro, or sorry, Myers and Margot back, you have six outfielders with Caesar, so take him out, you have five. Um, mm-hmm. I think at that point, if you do want Cordero getting major league at-bats, if you do think he's ready, he could be slotted in at left, Myers at right, Margot at center, maybe Renfro kind of shifts in and out as, as you see fit. Um, and then Perella probably shifts back in the infield. And at that point, that would probably mean Aswahe would go back down, or I guess Corey Spangenberg would go back down, because you don't need yeah. seven infielders at that point. Uh-huh. Um, you see Perella as a second baseman uh, for the meantime, correct? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I think that's just where he's going to fit in, because it makes more yeah, sense. I, I, yeah, um, the outfield is so crowded. I mean, he, he should is... play until Luis Arias shows he's ready, or if Perella can maybe, I don't know, scrounge up some... Trade value. Well, I think the interesting thing about Caesar is, like you mentioned, he will, if let go, he will free up a forty-man spot, and there's a certain left-handed pitcher oh, for don't do the it. El Paso Chihuahuas who is not on the forty-man who could have be. Well, we, we will. I don't like to speculate, but uh, I think Caesar makes sense. I, it's tough. You're, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't think that Eric Lauer would be the guy. I mean, I know they're kind you of... You think that they would give Lockett or, or Lloyd a, a shot before him? I think they're entertaining the possibility as they've... I mean, okay. AJ Casavell has Huffman discussed well that. The other, Huffman um, pitched well the other day as well. For, the the for thing is, the, you just got to think about who's on the 40-man currently. Um, in terms yeah, but see, of, if, you add, if, you add, if you add a Lockett or a Huffman or, or one of those guys to the 40-man you'd have to take them back off and, and the chances of them being claimed are high. So, and if Lauer's added to the 40 man, he's going to be there for good for, for the mean, for the future. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think, Lockett, uh, it's tough. I don't think Lockett would be the guy because I mean, he had an injury last year, didn't really get to pitch a whole year. So he's kind of a bit behind, I would say. And then either Brett Kennedy or Chris Huffman could be good options, but both are also not okay. on the 40 man. So that's another discussion no. to have. Um, yep. So yeah, I mean, I guess Lauer makes sense. I, I, I would probably honestly lean more towards them just throwing Erlen out there for a few starts and kind of seeing what you have with him, and then going from there. Um, I'm not really, sh- I'm not in the know about Matt Strom and how far along he is. I know 
they're still stretching him out, so he's probably going to be, you know, a ways away in terms of him yeah. actually being a viable major league starter. That that's another interesting option to consider. I but totally, outside of that, I totally I mean, forgot about him. There's no one else on the forty man who's really a starter. I mean, unless you want to throw Jordan Lyles back in there, but screw that. Uh, yeah, Miguel, I think Miguel that he's, Diaz he's, is still he's, on the forty man roster, so yeah, he's, he's been stretched out as well. So he's he's a possibility. Quantrill's a possibility. He's, he's kind of in I development, mean, I think, in the minors. He's going to kind of do that thing. It, um, it's it's it, there's going to be some moves. Well, I mean, not not no. in the immediate future, but eventually down the line. Well, yeah, yeah, Quantrill is definitely not people. I think people are like. I think he's going to be a September guy. I think at this point, I don't think he's. I don't even know if he's going to be a September guy. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the Padres have people shown think that, that based on his pedigree and where he was drafted, he's like, you know, kind of a hot topic, I guess, so to speak. But he's well mm-hmm, behind, mm-hmm. obviously, Joey Lucchese. I think he's well behind Eric Lauer, and I think honestly, at this point, he's, mm-hmm. he's behind Brett Kennedy and Chris Huffman in terms of the pecking order. I mean, long yeah, term, he, long I mean, term, he's he's a more valuable piece than those last two I mentioned because he's just got more raw talent. Um, he's got a better pedigree, but those two guys have just put up consistently good numbers for about two, three years now in the case of Brett Kennedy. So yeah, those guys I mean, eventually I agree, are going to have to put up or shut up. I, so I agree for the most part, but we haven't seen the best out of Cal Quantrill yet. Oh, no, definitely. That, that's his not velocity what I'm saying. I'm just saying that up. as of now, he's he just starting hasn't to spin been... the ball really well right now yeah. in, in double-A. I've watched his starts. I, I think that he's about to, to break out, and I I do think September call-up is, is, is in his cards. We'll have to see. You know, it, it's a lot can happen before, between now and then. You don't want to rush the guy, especially coming off major arm surgery like he had. So I do agree with you, though, that a lot of people are, are thinking that he's the man and he's ready to go right now. I mean, look, they think they see Lucchese and where he was drafted, and they think, okay, well, Lauer and Quantrill were drafted before him, so they must be better and they must be ready now. But that's not how it works in real life. We, we know that. So uh I'm definitely excited with what I've, I've seen from Lucchese so so far, though he's he has been impressive. Uh, let's well, let's start getting into the minors right now. I think are, are we done with forty man talk? I know there's there's you know there's the Headley as a possibility to be DFA'd. Uh, nah, AJ Ellis is another possibility, although AJ Ellis is the only other catcher on the on the forty man. Nah, they can't get rid of Ellis unless it's for Rafi Lopez. So. Yeah, and even then, point, I think have... it's, like I said, I think it's it's got to be between Aswahi and Spangenberg. I think Spangenberg okay, well, still has an option, and Aswahi we're, we're, definitely we're trans- Let's let's transfer in, let's let's transfer into the minors. And you brought up Rafi Lopez as far as a catching uh, option for the Padres. Let's talk about Brett Nicholas, who's killing it right now in El Paso. Who? Uh, he, yeah, Brett Nicholas. <laughs> he hasn't gotten much time behind the plate. He's been playing mostly first base, but he's a left-handed hitter with a catching. He, he can catch, and he's proven that he's being in. He's an or he's proven that he's an offensive player. So, is Brett Nicholas someone that might eventually be given a chance to back up Austin Hedges? Because you know, quite frankly, AJ Ellis is is you know he's there for his coaching aspect and for what he brings as far as intangibles, but he's just not going to bring much with the bat. And, and for a team that is struggling so much offensively. It's just it's sad to see him and, and Hedges out there on a consistent basis uh, behind the plate. I'm just waiting for uh, Austin Allen, Austin Squared, man. That's where it's at. Yeah, no, he's he's um, he's, he's I'm gonna be, well as well. I'm gonna be honest. I've been keeping 
such a close eye on the top prospects that I honestly didn't really pay any attention to what Brett Nicholas is doing. Well, I mean, so he's 29 years old. I'm, he's not, I'm I wouldn't consider up, him a prospect. Um, I'm going to pull up fan graphs right now, so just, just give, me a, give me a minute. Yeah, um, I mean, this is only a handful of bats. We're talking mid-April. You know, there's nothing to, he's to write a piece about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, there's options for this team as far as a left-handed catcher behind Austin Hedges. Um, let's talk about El Paso. El Paso's currently 9-5 right now. Uh, I know a lot of people, a lot of fans are begging for Luis Arias to come up, but he's no. hitting 245 right now. Uh, and he's hitting 077 against lefties uh, right now, which yeah, is um, kind of surprising. I see people saying that, and I'm like, he hasn't been very good lately, and it's not. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna be like, oh, he's a bust. Let's not even get into that. Um, yeah, no, he's, he's he just hasn't growing. performed. He's I, I mean, you got to call up a guy when he's on a hot streak. You don't call him up when he's you know yes. having struggles. I mean, he's putting up an 86 WRC plus so far. He did get off to a good start. He's kind of tailed off a little bit. Um, so I yeah, I mean, I would pump the brakes on Urias. I think Urias is more likely like. I want to say June at the earliest, unless he just really starts tearing it up. So yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm staying with like June or July, unless like I said, he's really killing it because they have so many options. I mean, you really want to see what you have in Perella and Aswahe and Spangenberg in some capacity, whatever, however that works out. You want to see what you have in those guys, and I think there's really no, like we said before, there's no reason to rush these guys. Um, I honestly thought that there was a potential for rushing Lucchese, but I mean, he definitely. Has done well, and he's proven that he's more than capable of being there. I think that spring training kind of helped with that a little bit because he was doing so well in spring training. Like I did not anticipate coming into the season that he would be in the big league rotation that quick, but I think that spring training performance definitely kind of pushed the needle a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But with Urias, who also had a pretty solid spring, I'm just kind of I want to cool it a little bit. I mean, it's I think it's a little early. But man, how about Javi Guerra? <laughs> yeah, I, he's alive, I, right? I mean, can, it's, it's definitely El Paso. Enigma. He really so. is. It's El Paso, so like take it with a grain of salt. But I mean, if he does this for a full season, I mean, he probably gets himself back on the whole, you know, uh, in on the prospect, you know, uh, view. I mean, he's he's at this point he's kind of a non-prospect simply because he's been so terrible. But I think at this point you got to. I mean, I'm at least keeping an eye on him. He's he's got my attention. So if you can put up this these kind of numbers for a whole year, I mean, I know it's El Paso. You see what Austin Hedges did there. And obviously that yeah. didn't translate, but with Garrett's yeah. defense at short, or I mean, he could probably play second and third as well. He's a great defender, so I mean, if he's just an average hitter, he's still a major leaguer. So that's always the thing with Garrett is that if he can just get to like you know a- average hitter or slightly below average hitter, he can be mm-hmm. a major league player. So yeah, it'd be kind of I, interesting to see how that shakes out over the next year or so if he can really for, establish himself. Or I should say reestablish himself as a as a viable prospect at this point. Yeah, we'll 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 have to wait and see, but yeah, I know Andy Green really surprisingly was pretty high on Javi Guerra in spring training so he's performing and it's it's nice to see prospects kind of pull up their 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 pants and their big boy pants and and really start to take this seriously and perform because you know this system is so loaded there were a, a bunch of decent players who the Padres had to cut in in March in uh, late March from their uh, from their minor league teams, so this this uh, this system is is stacked, and it's it's a good time to be uh, a San Diego Padre fan. Um, let's move into San Antonio, who is who are seven and five right now. Uh, everyone wants to talk about Fernando Tatis. He's hitting one ninety six right now. Uh, Josh Naylor has been killing it and been playing left field surprisingly, and then uh, 
Austin Allen. Allen squared has been hitting 295 and has slimmed down and defensively has looked a lot better, which I'm pretty impressed with. We talk about we talked about players who take their game to the next level. I, I'm seeing that in Austin Allen, and I'm excited for his future. Yeah, I mean, Naylor has just impressed the hell out of me. He's supporting he's a 17% walk rate to 11% yeah. strikeout rate. The dude's hitting for power. He's got a 440 ISO, which is obscene. Um, yep. Yeah, I am all. I am. I've said on Twitter, I'm all in for the Josh Naylor breakout, huge year. Um, I I hope he's not a trade chip because I really want to see him on this team. I really like him as a person. He's a good dude. You can see he has fun out there. I like the mm-hmm. way he plays. I mean, I hope he can transition to left field. And I mean, this team has like kind of a black hole in terms of long term left field. I mean. Outside of like maybe Jorge Ona, there's not really a guy you look at and say, yeah, he's going to be a left fielder for this team in a few years because most of the talent they have is way in the minors, like Oliveras, Rosario, Ornelas. Those guys are all still so young. Yeah, Buddy um, Reed's been killing it too. Yeah, Naylor, man, he's my guy. Like, I am, he's one of my favorites this year. And then I kind yeah, of no, it... want to transition him. Jason Rosario has impressed the hell out of me. I mean, the dude's rocking a 25% walk rate. Oh yes, and Fort Wayne. Oh yeah, obscene. That 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 kid is 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 really athletic. He's ambidextrous. I've seen him doing backflips up and down. Yeah, man. After There's like wins. videos of him doing like cartwheels after games when they win. I'm yeah, like, and then Tierso Ornelas is just as fun, man. That guy's he's got a 14 percent walk rate. Um, a little more yep, strikeouts yep. for him, but both guys have impressed the hell out of me so far. Edward Oliveras has been pretty impressive so far. Yes. Um, I'm yes. seeing a lot of guys that have impressed me. I mean, Hudson Potts has only struck out 15% of the at-bats. He's impressed me. Uh, walks are kind of low for him, but other than that, he's been impressive. Um, Definitely. Reggie Lawson in Lake Elsinore oh, has, has taken his game to the next level as well. Yeah, he's he's now a top 30 prospect by MLB Pipeline because Franchi Cordero yeah. has officially he's back. graduated. He's back. Um, it's Sim- kind of a shame Simber's he wasn't gonna be, there. Because... Gonna be... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, it's kind of a shame he wasn't there because the system is so damn deep that it's like he was kind of the odd guy looking out when they signed all these new guys and he kind of was pushed to the side a little bit. But yeah, he's definitely uh, he's definitely put himself back on the map with his performance so far. Uh, you were saying yeah, about no, Simber? No, I kind of transitioned to Adam Simber because I really love the, really the way God, he God, Adam the, Simber. Let, let's, let's, am... stick into the, let's stick into the minor leagues. Lawson has been, he's been very impressive. I, I've lo- I'd like to see, I've had brief conversations with him He's motivated, and that is a great thing out of a young player when they're motivated. He's pitching close to home. He's a Victorville native. His friends and family are there most of the time at his start, so he's he's really taking his game to the ne- next level. It's exciting. Um, we got to get out there Thompson, and watch the pitch. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely. Um, Mason Thompson got roughed up today in Fort Wayne, which was a little sad to see. Um, I'm always rooting for, for that young man. But the Fort Wayne staff with Nick Margavicious and Eric ah, Misha has been – Marga Vicious, in my mind, is a Lucchese type of pitcher. Uh, you know, no one wants to really talk about him. Was draft? I don't. What was his fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick? There were pitchers drafted before him in, in during the during last year's draft. He kind of flew under the radar. He does not walk batters. He attacks hitters. I love this personality. He's a great kid. I, I'm constant communication with him. I really like what I hear and see from from Nick Margavicious. I'm, I'm excited to see him in yeah, Lake Elsinore very soon. I, I love guys like that, like Joey Lucchese. Like he's a bulldog. Like you would not yes. want to mess with him. And same thing with yeah. Margavicious. I mean, this guy is. He's. I think he's got lots of talent. I think he's a guy who could, like you said, kind of be a sneaky riser through the system. Um, he's a guy definitely to watch. He's 21. Uh, drafted seventh round last year, uh, out of college. 
Um, yeah, he's been he's been pretty lights out so far this year. Um, he's struck out. Let's see, twenty four guys so far in sixteen innings. Uh, only that's one walk. Good. That's pretty good. Yep, that's that's gonna get the job done. Lots of hits yeah. though. He has given up lots of hits, but he's definitely yeah, no, he attacks hitters. He yeah, attacks he, hitters. he attacks hitters. He lets them hit it. He strikes them out. Um, he gets out of jams. I think he's overall he's doing a, a pretty damn good job so far this year. And yeah, like I said, he could be a sneaky riser through the system, uh, kind of like uh, Lucchese was the last year or so. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, also, the, I mean the the starting staff that this Padres minor league system has is is, is amazing. I mean, we, we haven't even talked about Michelle Baez, who hasn't even made his his debut yet. A uh, Chris Paddock, a uh, Jacob Nix. Well, I mean, Moro, Moro Hone pitching tonight. Logan Allen Moro, just yeah, threw I mean, five solid innings, six strikeouts. Yeah, three we could go forever talking about all these young players and young pitchers in particular. It's it's uh, it's exciting. It is really exciting that the next wave is here and it's coming. Lauer could be in the staff for the next coming weeks. You know, stranger things have happened. We'll have to see two lefties. In the staff, two very good friends, roommates in Arizona together. It's 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 going to be exciting to see young men like that come on and and, and play the field for this Padre team that, that we've been waiting for for a long time. Homegrown Padres is definitely the way to go. Oh, by the way, Austin Allen three for three tonight, two doubles. Just saying, nice hitting three forty nice. on the year. Nice. He's, yeah, he's, he's another one of my personal faves. Yeah, you, you you would think that he's going to be a El Paso promotion of, uh, of eventually putting up numbers like that. Naylor as well. I mean, we'll have to see. It's this these kids are growing; they're getting better. You know, I love to talk about Framil Reyes. The guy, the guy's twenty two years old, hit twenty five home runs last year, one hundred two RBIs, and he's in AAA and really doesn't have a, a spot to play at this point. You know, it's sad, but it's a good thing, though, isn't it? I mean, if you're a Padre fan, it's a good thing. I know that Franmil Reyes has some issues that need to be worked out, but to have someone like that that's already developed and at 22 and, and in AAA and coming off a, a season where he hit 25 home runs as a 21-year-old, and, and nobody's even talks about the kid. The kid walks, too, which is a, a wonderful thing. He walked almost 50 times last year. It, prospects and players like that just make me <laughs> salivate because they're motivated. They They see all the love that all these other players get, and they want it too, and they work, and they're working their tail off for it. And and, and God love them, Fernando Reyes. I, I hope to see you in, in at Petco Park uh, this year because uh, I'll be giving you a big hug. That's for sure, man. Yeah, the mole, man. <laughs> yeah, la mole. la mole. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a he's a good good kid, man. I I love talking to that young man. Um, the minor leagues are are blossoming, and, and we're what two weeks into the into the season, so. Arizona hasn't even started. Tri Cities haven't even started. It, it's, I mean, we're the house. There, there's a bunch of players that haven't even started playing yet. That, that you know, I, I, I it's just, it's exciting. Also, it's exciting I don't I, know, if, I don't know, if many people know this fact, but the Padres actually have the youngest player at every level. So in AAA, <laughs> uh, AAA, Luis Arias is the youngest player. Double I think Tatis is the youngest, and I think Naylor's one of the youngest. Um, uh-huh. Lake Elsinore, I think it's a group of guys. I think I think Eggy Rosario is probably the youngest. Hudson Potts one of the youngest. Um, mm-hmm. In Fort Wayne, you have basically like half the team is the youngest. You yeah. have like Rosario, yeah. Arias, Ornelas. Yeah. Um, yeah. All those guys, are, I think, 19, 18, 19 pretty much for the most part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Justin Lopez, another one. Uh, Ronaldo de la Raza, I think, is also in that range. So yeah, they have like a full team of like teenagers basically in Fort Wayne. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. You know, I I know that these are prospects. They're not 
guaranteed success, but the vast majority of these guys and, and the fact that we have so many, you got to be excited that, that some of these guys are going to going to actually make that jump and be be successful major leaguers. So, uh let's get off the minor leagues because you know, you and I could talk about it all day. I mean, it's just it's exciting. I mean, we could go through almost every each uh, of the four teams roster and, and just pick apart and just uh, gush over some of these players. But uh, let's get back into the major leagues. Uh, something I'd like to ask you about. We all have loved what we've seen from Christian Villanueva as far as his bat. Why is he getting hit so much? That, 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 that just came to me, but why, man, he's just, he doesn't really crowd the plate too much, but I want to talk about his defense, which is slightly concerning to me. I've seen him, misplay balls and misplay them in a horrible fashion. Talk to me about what you think. What are you thinking about his defense and what are you thinking about Villanueva long-term for this team? Um, With how well he's doing on offense, I don't think his defense is really that important, but um, I haven't really been, I haven't really seen too many okay. of his, in terms of like him fielding the ball. So I can't really speak on that behalf. Cause I haven't, I haven't really been able to watch, um, too many games in terms of like bad plays he's made. I mean, I've heard about some things, but I haven't really got to yeah, see no. them. Um, but I mean, yeah, he's rated pretty badly by most defensive metrics. But I mean, he's done so much on offense. Do you know he's he's been worth 1.2 WAR so far this yeah. year? Yeah, which is oh, among know. the best in baseball. What so, was the WAR leader last year for the Padres in in overall in the whole season? Uh, you're putting me on the spot, man. One sec. It was three. Was it? Wasn't it? It was. Wasn't it only a three or something like that? I got this. Give me a minute. Okay. Um, but yeah, Christian Villanueva is currently ranked sixteenth in all of baseball by expected woba. So that's based on quality of contact. Um, his woba is actually a little bit higher than you would expect based on quality of contact. So he's actually he's actually been a bit of, a little bit lucky with with kind of where he's at in terms of that. Um, so hmm. it's kind of kind of been surprising. Um, last year, the Padres' leader in WAR was. Oh, sorry. Still loading. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, the sorry. drum roll. Ruining it. No, but I mean, he's hitting so well that I don't really think it matters if his defense is a little shaky. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not to, saying to, work with it to, to bench him in any, by any means, but it's just it's concerning because I've seen him really look bad on, on plays on defense. And, you know, obviously he can work on that. He's going to have to work on that because Andy Green prides himself in defense to a certain degree. And, you can't have your third baseman just allowing balls to go past him because they go down the left field line and they turn into doubles. They turn into two base errors, and that's catastrophic when you're trying to develop a young team, and in particular when you're trying to develop young pitchers. I hate to see a Lucchese or a Lauer be constantly victimized by bad defense. So, um, you know, it's just something to, to be concerned about, something to be wondering. You know, I'm uh, always. So go ahead. Perella, what do you have for me? Perella was. Uh... <laughs> Perella was number one at two point one, and he played. Wow. He played eighty three games. So wow, f you well, Perella haters. There you, there yeah. The well, let's get into that because that's mind boggling. Whoever does not think that Jose Perella should be starting is not watching the games. Plain and simple is. I mean, he has been the best player on this team since he was called up last season offensively, by far. The numbers prove that. The eye test proves that. The players prove, can tell you that. The clubhouse realizes that. Andy Green knows that. So what are you watching? I don't understand. The man deserves to play. He's not a 35-year-old that's just all of a sudden coming on to a good year. He, he's 
what a year older than than Renfro? I, mean, uh, I think it's two, but he's he's old. It's so a year and yeah. ten months. I'm sorry, or something like that. But, but Renfro hits dingers, so yeah, Renfro hits dingers. Yeah, exactly. Dinger is a mascot for the Rockies. You know, just it, <laughs> it's asinine. It's asinine that that you think that Jose Perales should not be a major leaguer. You know, he's cooled down. There's a there might be a point in a month or two where he is at the point where he's not playing for this team on a consistent basis, and that can happen. But you need to make that determination by giving him consistent at bats and letting that happen. And if that happens, then so be it. But you yeah. cannot let someone that's performed as well as he has just sit on the bench. That's that's stupid. That that is just. I know that you have been going back and forth with a certain someone who loves to to. <laughs> to hate on on certain things but you know it, it's just it's a it's mind-blowing to me as well because i see a lot from jose perella that i like and people want to constantly regurgitate numbers uh, against him uh and uh, it's just it's it's funny but yeah you know, we move on in all seriousness like i got a lot i got a lot of love for that certain someone but um he's wrong in this um yeah. I'm not here saying that Jose Perella is, you know, a good player or a exactly. guy who's going to be, you, you know, an all star or on the next good Potter. Uh, I mean, I don't think he will be on the next good Potter team. But at this point, exactly. there's Nobody's nothing. That, that. There's nothing that he's shown you that would set, suggest that he's a worse option than anyone else out there. So yes. at this point, you gotta just gotta let it ride. And if if he crashes and burns, awesome. You got yeah. a good year and a half out of him. Cool. If you can trade him exactly. before he crashes and burns, even better. But there's no reason to say that, yeah, Hunter Renfro is better than him. And Hunter Renfro has Let, been pretty, I don't want to say good this year, but I think Hunter Renfro's made some adjustments. I mean, he hasn't been terrible. Um, he's, he's done some things well. But dude, I, I'd time, rather see Franmil Reyes in the outfield than Hunter Renfro. And I'm straight yeah. up saying that. Franmil Reyes is five years younger than Hunter Renfro and has just as much power and can take a walk. Yes, he's bigger and he's slower, but who gives a damn? If we're talking about the future and the... And the uh, What's better for this team? Obviously, Franmil Reyes is better in the long term than Hunter Renfro. Yes, Hunter Renfro can hit moms. Have you not seen Franmil Reyes play? I mean, it's it just turned into the Franmil Reyes podcast. But wait, Franmil Reyes just, is only twenty two. Yes. Why did I think he was like twenty four or twenty five? Exactly. Man, sign He's me up. He's twenty two years old. I'm on the team. He's good. You, yeah, you, conv- he you did, convinced me. He hit he hit twenty five home runs as a twenty one year old in Double A. That's that's pretty fucking good. Sorry, yeah. I just blew our ratings. Yeah, but, screw Renfro. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't say screw Renfro by any means because you got to let him play in order to determine whether or not he can succeed and, and let them fall on their face. That's another homegrown Padre. You can't allow him to go out and succeed somewhere else. So I understand trying to get him playing time, living through these frustrating at-bats where he's leaving runners on base and, and blaming the umpires for strikeouts. I mean, it's just... I, I don't know. I'm just frustrated. I'd like to see some production from him. And I, I know that the team is frustrated with his plate discipline and with his lack of approach at the plate, which is just, it's not improving. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm like, in terms of like the totem pole, I think I'm, I think Renford's at the bottom of mine behind, you know, Margot and Myers and Perella and Franchi Cordero. Can we talk about Franchi Cordero for a minute? Let's move into Cord- Cordero. Is, Dude, homeboy is... can't. Homeboy cannot stop striking out. But yes. there is. But when he makes contact, he's oh, let's probably, talk about that. I've, I've been kind of beating this drum, and I know I'm probably getting annoying. But there's not a not a better player in baseball, or it's got to be close that has been as consistent as he has at hitting the ball 
really effing hard every yeah. time he makes contact. And like I said, anytime he makes contact, it's probably going to be over 90 miles an hour and more likely over 100. And, and that's – I know people like want to scoff at exit velocity like it's nothing, but that is a skill. Being able to hit the yeah. ball that hard is something that few players can do. And if you look at the list of guys at the top – here, I'm going to pull up the list right now. If you look at yeah. the guys and- on top of the StatCast leaderboard in terms of exit velocity – here I'll I'll read you the top uh, ten or so names right now. Let me just let me load my yeah, my slow ass hitting the computer. ball hard transitions to base hits. I mean that that transitions into base hits. If you hit the ball hard somewhere, you will get base hits more often than not. So okay, it, so it is frustrating the guys at the top, me. the guys at the top like Ryan Zimmerman, Jose Abreu, Yohan Moncada, Miguel Cabrera, JD Martinez, Mitch Moreland, Rafael Devers, Mike Stockis, Joey Gallo, Aaron Judge. Wow, I can go Giancarlo Stanton. There's, I can go on. These are all yeah. Guys there's not that a scrub have, out of that. No, yeah, there's no these scrubs are all guys out of that. that have done pretty consistently at hitting the ball hard. Um, yeah. Do you, want, do, you want to, do you know where Franchi currently sits? Probably top five. You have to, I mean, you have to do some finagling because he has obviously less of a sample than all those mm-hmm. guys I mentioned. But mm-hmm. if you take the sample down to, let me see. One sec. Hold, please. If you take the sample down Hold, to uh, to 19 or to, to 10 batted balls because Franchi's at 19, he's got a 98.1 average exit velocity, which puts him behind... Only Teoscar Hernandez. Um, Franchi wow. has 12 balls that are over 95 out of 19. So 63% of his balls in play so far have been over 95. Um, he already has two barrels, which is near the top of the team. Actually, other than Christian Villanueva, I think he's near the top. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious this guy has been a talented player in terms of that. Now, if he can cut down his strikeout rate a good you know, 10%, his base running will play, his fielding will play. This guy could be a gold glover and left. Um, he could steal probably mm-hmm. 20, 30 bases. He could provide lots of value on the bases. He could hit probably 20 bombs. Um, honestly, this is a guy who could be an all-star player if he can cut down on the strikeouts and be more consistent at the plate. And yeah. I know we're dreaming on potential here, but that's a profile you got to like. And I like that profile a lot more than Hunter Renfro, who can hit dingers and nothing else. So for yeah. me right now, I'm all Team Franchi and... Yeah. No team, no team Renfro. So that's yeah, I, I, it's it's you know it, it's impressive. But but at the same time, I still do want to see Renfro because I want to see every last bit of him. I want to make sure that because I'm still enamored by the power that he shows every once in a while. The fact that he can hit left-handed pitchers, I, I'm the the rocket arm. You know, there's still parts of and and he is a homegrown number one draft pick. So I do want to see every last bit of playing time from him that I possibly can, but it's just tough because there's no opportunity at this point. With Myers and Margot coming back, we can move Perel in a second, but like you say, Cordero needs time. I, well, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Let's let's move on to something that I lastly want to talk about before we close the show, and that's Freddie Galvez, who's been – I think you tweeted something out that you're slowly forgetting about Eniel De Los Santos and – uh, I think that's a good thing. Freddie Galvis has been pretty steady uh, for this team defensively. We have not had to see Christian Villanueva at shortstop this whole year. There still is not a backup shortstop on this team. Is Freddie Galvis probably the most important player on this team right now? If he falls, the I'd hate to see where we'd have to go with Dusty Coleman at short maybe. I mean, if Galvis went on the DL, all hell would probably break loose uh, with the team defensively. That'd be fun. I'm all for that. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, Galvis has kind of got off to a huge start, and he kind of he's actually kind of crashed back to earth a little bit the yeah, last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, he's um, not an offensive force by any means. Yeah, I mean, people. Were, I think be. people were getting a little too. Can I just? <laughs> yeah. I want to make fun of people here. I know that's not nice of me to do, but whoever was saying like, "Oh, let's extend Freddie Galvis," like, really? Come on. Come on. Well, see that, well, that's, that's what I want to talk. That's what I want to talk to you about. I mean, I'm is... fine. I'm fine with having that conversation, but you do not have that conversation when a player is playing at the absolute height yeah, of no. their career. Yeah, it's stupid. You're not, exactly. So you're not going to want to talk. I about... said on Twitter. I don't know who I was talking to. I said this. I said, talk to me in June when he when he falls on his face, which I, I mean, he's already kind of fallen on his face a little bit last week. So, talk to me in June. I mean, sure, it's fun having him on the team. He's been a great guy so far. I I wouldn't mind having him back, but. In terms of like, let's extend him now and give him a huge deal. Let's not. Well, he made, let's see. Let's he made not. six point eight two five, or he's making six point eight two five million this year. There is no shortstop close to being ready. I know people want to say Fernando Tatis. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's give the guy some time. I don't think he's going to be ready this Tatis. I don't think he's going to be ready this year. We're moving into two thousand nineteen, and whether or not he's possibly going to be ready at some point. So. Having another year or two of Freddie Galvez would be beneficial for this team. Galvez can play the outfield, has played center field, has played all three outfield positions, can easily play second, would be an awesome utility man for this club down the line. What do you think is fair market value for, say, I don't know, maybe two, three years of an extension of Galvez? Uh, what what do you think would be a fair market for? I mean, look, we're paying really, thirteen million for Chase Headley for this year. I don't know what they pay shortstops these days, but I, I mean, I can't imagine being willing to pay more than like twenty million. I mean, like six or seven a year. I think that'd be fair if it's like three years. See, and um, isn't that a, isn't that a good investment for I, this I, team? I mean, in, in I would the future? do that. I, I, but, I think it, I think it, I think there would be, and I think it comes down to whether or not Freddie Galvez thinks he can get a four, five, six year deal as a starting. I mean, he's like what? 28. Yeah. He's yeah, 20. I mean, I yes. I don't really see him getting, I mean, with how, with how the off season crashed last off season, I don't really yeah. see a guy Zach like Coulter him getting a, three a huge, deal, yeah. yeah, I don't really see him getting a huge deal. So, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back. I mean, and if, if it takes pressure off some of these young guys who are coming up and maybe not ready just mm-hmm. yet, I mean, I'd be fine with that, but it's going to be kind of interesting to see if that's something he'd be willing to do. I mean, it's clear he likes playing here so far. I mean, it seems like he's getting along well with the with the team and the, mm-hmm, the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. So, um, he, I, he's a he's a bilingual player, a bilingual middle infielder. He's working well with a lot of the young Latin players and being able to help them get accustomed to the game. So I think that that's also vital. I have seen him in the clubhouse. He is a busy little bee around making sure everybody's doing well, making sure everybody's uh, up to speed and, and knows what they're supposed to be doing. I definitely like what I see as far as intangibles from Freddie Galvez. Uh, I made the mistake of looking at what Enio De Los Santos was doing this year. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on his fancrass page right now. Uh, for AAA this year in two starts for Lehigh Valley, he's got a 2.25 ERA, a 1.5 whip. He's only pitched eight innings. Allowed nine hits, struck out fourteen. Uh, let me see, walk three. I better not regret that. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, know I, was, point... I was harsh when it first happened, but I better not be made to regret that later. I mean, they have so many pitching prospects that it's probably irrelevant. But he's gonna he's gonna get a chance to start at one point in the major leagues this season, and Padres Twitter is gonna gonna go off at that point. Hopefully, Freddie Galvez is playing well at the time. 
But, you know, earlier in the show, we went through the numerous amounts of pitching prospects. Uh, yeah, a lot of them are a lot younger than than uh, De Los Santos and not necessarily a given as far as being able to play in the major leagues like De Los Santos probably is going to do. But they made a decision, and I'm still sticking with the fact that Freddie Galvez is beneficial for this team. I mean, you know, we could be sitting here with Alcides Escobar or Eric Ayabar, ah. or you know, we, who, there was nothing available at shortstop, or, or they could have made a boneheaded trade for Jerkson Profar, who just can't stay healthy. I mean, there were a lot of lot of options, and I think that when it's all said and done, this is going to be a viable one for this team. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to wish bad on De Los Santos at all, but <laughs> Tommy John. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> No, we don't. We definitely don't want to say that. It's it's rough. There's God, there's a lot of Tommy Johns. No more, no more too. Tommy Johns. I'm over it. I've had enough. Yeah, seriously. Um, anything else before we get out of here? I know we ran a little over. Just I think we were just over excited because we hadn't podcasted in two about weeks? ten days. Two. It's been God. It was. It nah, was it's uh, been like Storm been Media like more than Day. Two weeks, man. Yeah, Storm Media Day was the last day that I podcasted. Well, apologies for the uh, hiatus <laughs> that we've been on. We've both been battling the plague, the San Diego <laughs> plague of 2018. Uh, but we should be back. I have uh, some pretty exciting guests lined up in the coming weeks. You'll definitely want to take care. Uh, take uh, oh, you definitely want to tune into the show. I'm, I'm losing Patrick. I think uh, my Dayquil is, is wearing out. It's time to take us out of here. Uh, thank you so much, folks, for joining us on the East Village Times podcast, Patrick. I think it's time. Uh, yeah, uh, we are the East Village Times Podcast, obviously. You can find us on Podbean. Uh, that's where we're hosted. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you get podcasts, find us there. Uh, we're on Twitter. James is at EBT underscore news, at EBT underscore J Clark. Um, he's got like 46 other accounts, as you all know. Um, 47. I made one yesterday. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, I'm Patrick Burr, 93. Um, I also want to give a shout out to some some new podcasts in the, in the Padres' uh, golden age of, of podcasts. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, Roy Thomason and Angela doing their their podcast now. Um, we have the first all female Padres podcast uh, with Liddy Laurie and Angela. That's Hell's Bells, which just a, just a perfect name. I don't know if James if you've you checked that out yet, but great show, perfect name. Um, Jesse Agler now has a podcast, which nice. I mean, pretty cool. I've always been a, a big Jesse Agler fan. I mean, I said on Twitter last night he's one of the best things the Padres have going for them off the field and. That's one guy that they they best keep around if they can. I mean, that would yeah. be that'd be a terrible loss if they. Jesse's going to rival us with Jesse's going to rival us with guests. I think. I mean, he had Trevor Hoffman on today for the first episode, so that was pretty yeah, good I know that's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, I know people people kind of kind of give him a little flack because you know he's a team employee, so it might not be an edgy podcast, but I mean, he's definitely going to get some good guests. There's, there's good conversation. I mean, he had some good conversations with Hoffman, so I definitely yeah. would recommend that one. Um, obviously, we have all the other Golden Age of Padres podcasts. You guys know all those. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good time to, to have a podcast and be talking about the Padres. Definitely. Uh, East Village Times podcast is signing out. Thank you, folks, again for joining us. Uh, we will be back shortly. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast.